Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education, a podcast that focuses on what is happening in education today, connecting everyone to the movers and shakers that are breaking boundaries in the education arena. We're super excited about the topic today, eSports. I don't know a lot about it, so I am excited to learn quite a bit. And I think I will because we have some super knowledgeable guests with us today. Our first guest is Nate Simmons, and he's the Director of Technology at Louisville Public Schools in Louisville, Nebraska. He's in a district that has a pre-K through 12 school all in one space. I love those kind of schools. So much happens there. But I also know, Nate, that when you work in a school like that, you wear a lot of hats. And I see that you are tech director. You're also a teacher there. And you are the eSports coach. It doesn't stop there. You're on the board of directors for eSports Association in Nebraska. And I suppose that's a pretty new organization. And you're helping to organize the seasons for sports and scholastic gaming. Also with us today is Chris Avelis, and he is a teacher in Knollwood Middle School in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He also runs the renowned Fairhaven Innovates program. The first time I heard about this program, I was at ISTE, and he was presenting on it. He blew me away. I could not believe what this guy does. And um, I guess the first question I'll probably ask you today is, do you sleep? Because (laughs) all of the things that you do with kids, pretty incredible, Chris. But... um, you started the first esports team in the country with middle school kids, and you're competing with high school students and college students and middle school students as well. Um, he's been in e- involved with esports since 1998, so this is not new to him. He's very passionate about it. He's even authored the esports education playbook and runs a nonprofit. Garden State Esports, and it's his passion to help other educators start esports teams in their schools. So welcome, Nate and Chris. We are excited to have you here. Thank you. Yes. I have to start with my first question because so many listeners I know are like me, and they say, I don't really even understand what what is esports. Can you just tell me Basically, in a nutshell, what are you even talking about when you talk about esports? And once we do that, we'll go deeper. Yes, I mean, I'm happy to kind of kick it off. Um, So esports is very simply, it's competitive video gaming. Um, There are a lot of game titles out there that are, you know, either intentionally made to be played, you know, single player versus single player or team versus team. Um, Or there are a lot of games out there that can be made into a competitive game. And so esports is just really... um, the, the competitive side of video gaming. Um, and it's one of the fastest growing industries in the world right now. So can you give me um, an example of a name of an esports game? Sure. So you're probably your most popular video games um, is a video game called League of Legends. Um, then you have a video game called Overwatch. Uh, you have a very popular middle school title, which I believe both Nate and I play is Rocket League, um, which is basically soccer with cars. You have every teacher's favorite game, Fortnite. Um, you have games like Hearthstone, you have uh, sports games like FIFA and Madden, you have card games like Hearthstone and Magic the Gathering. Um, so there's definitely games out there to cater to every taste. Do they change every year? Do you get new games every year or do they kind of stay the same, Nate? Yeah, 
most of us have a season that we stick with the games that are popular, like, okay. like, like Chris said, Overwatch and League of Legends seem to be good staples. Rocket League is a good staple, especially now that it's free to play. That opens it up to a lot more people. You, you mentioned a season. So how do seasons work? And then also, how did you get involved in this? I mean, Chris is in New Jersey, Nate is in Nebraska, but yet you know each other through this esports world, which I didn't know about that when we booked the two of you. So I think that's pretty funny. So can you explain how you got involved, how anyone can get involved? And, um, and, and then also about the seasons, because I was curious about that. So seasons, I, I can't speak to every, every esports group, but most of us have a fall and a spring season. Okay. Um, so it just, it goes between certain dates. And at some point we have a championship where we bring those, those top teams together and, okay. and compete together. Um, so in Nebraska, we have our own uh, seasons that we run. And right now we're in the middle of our fall season. So um, yeah, so that's what our seasons look like here. Most of us will finish up before Christmas. I know some other groups will finish up after Christmas with that first season. And then if there's no COVID happening, we get to have a spring season. Okay. Are you having a season now that COVID hit or can you still have it? We're still actively participating. One of our schools just had an in-person tournament and there were some social distancing things that had to happen. But I mean, what, what better way to have a social distance thing than that you can put kids in different rooms. You can really spread out kids doing esports. So, you know, I'm working with my kids remotely to have our esports season. So even though my kids are at home, um, it doesn't stop our season because we can line up our matches and everybody can play from home and stuff like that. So we definitely are continuing our season. Um, and I think maybe the easiest way to think about it is esports is really not different than a traditional sport. You know, here in New Jersey, my background, um, I played football, wrestling, and track, and I played rugby in college, and I've coached, you know, varsity sports here for 15 years. The exact same way, you know, that I set up and run my wrestling seasons are the same way that I now run my esports seasons. Right. Um, so I think that's one thing for listeners who are interested in esports and interested in getting started is understanding it's really not that different, especially when we talk about the benefits of esports. You know, from traditional esports, we get, you know, the ability to improve as working as a team and our leadership skills. Um, setting goals and stuff is a lot of, you know, different things I work with my kids. And again, you know, when I'm coaching football or wrestling, my kids in esports are having the same learning experience, even though they're playing a digital game rather than a game that's more physical. Um, and then, yeah, so Nate and I do know each other and we definitely want to give a plug for where we met. Um, Nate and I are both scholastic fellows for the North American Scholastic Esports Federation. And so they're a fantastic organization who are doing work on a global level when it comes to bringing esports to uh, the classrooms. And so Nate and I, um, who had programs, you know, were tapped by NASEF, um to come aboard and really help mobilize the United States. And since then, they've brought in Mexico and England um, and, and a bunch of different countries. And so it's definitely an international movement. Nate and I are, you know, super excited to be part of that. And yeah, so we know each other pretty well. This is fascinating. I love hearing that kids can still participate because I think that's so important that they are still, you know, working with their friends and participating in a sport. Before we go on to some of the values of esports, I just want to back up just a little bit and talk about if if I were in a district that wanted to start an esports program, what are some of the investments that I need to make and what do I need to think about as I get started in this program? Do I have to buy uniforms? Um, 
is that a dumb question? Do I, <laughs> what, what kind of equipment do I have to buy? What, what do I need? So a lot of people who come to eSports start with that question. Is what does the investment look like and what is the technology that I need? And, you know, there's a lot of ways to answer that question because districts all come from a different, you know, a different space. Um, and so the, the best way to think about it is what are the goals of your district? Why would you bring esports in? And so you heard that, you know, um, it's a great extracurricular activity, especially in the time of COVID, right? It's in no way COVID proof, right? But it is something that can continue because you can easily build social distancing into an esports program. Um, you know, are you going to use it? Uh, to help motivate students by tying in GPA uh, attendance and behavior in school? Or are you in a district where it's actually more important to have kids in front of a role model, you know, like Nate as a coach um, and have contact time, you know, and, and get the kids in there. So maybe tying GPA and attendance isn't the best because when kids are there, right, you want them to hang out with somebody like me. Um, so it's really first thinking about what your goals are going to be. Uh, and then understanding, unfortunately, you know, there are some tech equity issues when it does come to esports, but um, there are ways to work around it. And I'll give you an example. Um, with Garden State Esports, which is the nonprofit I started, one of the things that we help districts do who are not in a situation maybe to buy laptops if they need them or they don't have laptops, uh, one of the things we work with them on is you can do a bring your own device kind of um, program. So, for instance, Rocket League, which Nate and I were talking about, is a game that has something called crossplay. Um, if you're on an Xbox, you can play people on a Switch or you can play people on a PC. And so there are a lot of schools I worked with who will either allow students to bring in an Xbox, the PTA or somebody will buy an Xbox for the team, um, coaches bring in their own Xboxes. And so you can have, you know, a small team using a kind of bring your own device method. Um, of course, ideally, you know, laptops are fantastic, and I'm very lucky in my district to have laptops, but part of the pitch of getting the laptops were, you know, what if I told you that we could have a top-notch STEM program with these cutting-edge computers that allowed us to do 3D design, video editing, um, game design, and stuff like that, which is what I use them for during the day, and then magically they transform after school, right, into the esports laptops. Um, and especially now with, you know, COVID going on, a lot of districts are having success um, that I've been working with either repurposing some of their athletic budget, even if it's just the athletic travel budget, because a lot of seasons, at least here in New Jersey, are canceled. Um, and, you know, they're making an investment not just in their STEM program, um, but also bringing esports, you know, to their schools. So when it comes to equipment, there's always going to be, you know, teachers have done so much with so little for so long, right? We could basically do anything with nothing. So I don't want people to think, um, you know, an investment in an esports team is something every school can do, but there is a way to bring esports to every school. Um, <clears throat> and I'll let Nate handle that uh, Jersey question. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we... We are, uh, since, you know, we're in a K-12 building, so we have, a lot of our resources are shared. So, I mean, we have a, we have a PC lab that during the day, kind of like Chris, doubles as something else. So, it happens to be our uh, AutoCAD lab that, that kids can do 3D modeling and stuff on. And then, after school, it turns into our eSports lab. So, we're pretty lucky that way. And as the IT person for the school, I can also hoard away uh, laptops and let the kids have something so they can practice at home also and take something home. And we've, because of COVID, um, you know, we've done a lot of work to make sure that all kids have internet access. So, I mean, that's something that's really helped, helped our district that way. 
And we're also lucky enough to, when we bought our PCs for our, uh, for our AutoCAD lab, um, we also were, were given uh, eSports jerseys along with that purchase. So it was, it was kind of a, a cool bonus. I know a lot of our schools will do, um, we'll just make a t-shirt and they'll go around to local businesses and get sponsorships that way and have a t-shirt uh, that they wear on game days and stuff. So it's, it's pretty unique for each school, whatever they want to do. I wanted to ask you about a couple of things that I've heard about esports that I think are really positive. Um, number one, our virtual school had a student that received a sizable scholarship. Is that true that there's these big scholarships out there? Um, yeah, I mean, it's true. Words? But I mean, I would, so I was lucky enough, especially when I was back teaching high school. Um, I was able to coach some Division One athletes who eventually went on to play in the majors, right? And again, having coached and taught for 14, 15 years, right, that's been three kids, and I've seen thousands. And so the idea of getting an esports scholarship while it is possible obviously is incredibly unique, right? It's not something that happens to everybody. Um, last I checked, I believe there was about $4 million worth of scholarship be being offered by about 140 different colleges, um, so it is a possibility, but mm -hmm. it's not something, you know, that you would bet on. But again, when I was coaching those division one athletes who eventually, you know, went on to major leagues, nobody ever said, you know, told them not to dream of playing in major league baseball. Right. You know, and so I think it's the same kind of thing. There is the possibility, right, that they could earn an esports scholarship. It's unlikely. However, what I think um, is even more important is that through esports, right, we can teach kids a lot of valuable technical skills, a lot of valuable life skills, um, and really position them to take advantage of, like I said, what is the fastest growing industry in the world? Um, because there are a lot of lucrative in-demand jobs, not just in esports, but in esports related fields. And so there are scholarships, but I, I tell my kids, you, you can go maybe to college, you can probably play for an esports team, maybe you get a scholarship, right? But what I'm more interested in is, are you going to have this social and emotional learning um, and the hands-on experience through esports that when you get there, you really stand out because this isn't your first rodeo. Um, yeah. And so, I, you know, that the, the, the scholarships are out there. Um, there's even the competitive side, you know, in Pennsylvania, you had a sophomore in high school won a $6 million Fortnite tournament. So that wasn't a scholarship, but that was a prize, you know, for his wow. ability, to, for his ability to play the game. Um, so there, you know, and then you bring in the whole idea that kids can stream video games on Twitch and being a content creator on Twitch and YouTube is a, an, is a job. You know, it's hard to make it, but you can make it if you have the personality um, and, and you're willing to put the work in. So I think there's a lot of ways to be successful in esports, and I think introducing kids to those are important. Basically, you're, you're, you're taking the skills that they're learning, they can leverage those because they're real-world skills. They're skills they're going to be able to transition into college and into, of course, the real world. So you mentioned leadership skills that they're building. Uh, you mentioned um, technology skills that they're building. Um, what other skills are involved that they are going to reap the benefits of through esports? I mean, even just when we have practices, um, I bet probably almost every practice we've got some technical issue that's happening either on a computer, with headphones, with a mouse that's not working, a keyboard right. that doesn't work. So, I mean, yeah. on a very basic level, they're learning how to troubleshoot things on their own. Right. Uh, when a problem happens and uh, being in a k-12 environment like this 
um, kids like to find the fast answer and they like to find somebody that will do it for them and answer for them. And uh, something like this provides them an opportunity to, to troubleshoot their own things, even like a hardware issue, or, you know, maybe you're streaming a match and all of a sudden the sound stops working. So rather than the teacher coming over to fix it, uh, the kid will learn how to fix it. So it's empowering them. It's making them uh, be independent and, um, you know, think ahead, um, self-sufficient. So those are really great. Again, life skills are so important. I really like too, Chris, when you touched upon the leadership skills that are being built. I mean, they are part of a team. They are, they are leaders. Um, I, I love the global uh, connections that are being made. How many countries do you know are involved or even you compete with? Um, so it was funny when I started the, my middle school team, there was nobody else for us to play. Um, so I actually reached out to Rutgers University here and our first few matches were against Rutgers. Um, and then I called on a close friend of mine and co-founder of Garmin State Esports, Steve Isaacs, another teacher in New Jersey. Um, he had a video game club and I asked him to put together, you know, a competitive team. So then we played him. Uh, we posted about it on Twitter and then all of a sudden this guy from Pennsylvania is like, I want a team too. So then we played across states, Pennsylvania. Um, we played some West Coast teams. We played a school out in um, New Mexico, you know, and as, as things started to grow, you know, we actually planned our first international match. Uh, we were supposed to play a team from Finland, but my wife decided giving birth was a better idea. Um, and I wound, up, I wound up canceling the match. Um, but since then, you know, uh, we've been lucky enough to talk with and because one thing I try to do is, especially when we play the colleges, um, I set up Skype calls afterwards where the kids can say good game and talk to each other and meet yes. each other. Um, because I want them to realize there's real people behind those yes. screens, right? And how we treat each other online should it be any different than real life. Uh, but we've been lucky enough to connect with teams in Mexico. Esports is getting big in Mexico, um, you know, uh, in England and the UK. Um, esports has been big for a while now. They have a whole, the British Esports Association over there. Um, I recently got an email um, from a teacher in Saudi Arabia who asked if he can join our middle school Rocket League because they want to play, but there's nothing out there for them. So we allow him to come in. Um, and so kids are not only getting to connect, you know, with people maybe in Pennsylvania around us in New Jersey, but we're getting an idea uh, connecting with people in different time zones in the United States and we're getting some international matches. Um, so it's really exciting just to be able to bring in colleges, high schools, middle schools. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to see if I can get some of the pros to play us, you know, cause a lot of times your kids think they're the best. Um, but then you give them, you know, you let them see what it's like to play a professional. So it's just exposing my kids to what's out there and giving them the opportunity to experience a lot of this stuff. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's, esports is big. I think people don't really understand how big it is. Um, you know, when you look at a country like South Korea, where esports is probably the, you know, that's probably the country where esports is the biggest. Um, you know, if you're an esports player in South Korea, you can actually get out of your mandatory military experience for a while to participate in these esports um, teams wow. and events. And, you know, to, to give you an idea, we have a really close, uh, really close relationship in New Jersey with uh, the New York Excelsior and their parent company, Anbox. Um, you know, and the New York Excelsior is, is you know, and Anbox is the team in the league of New York as a state. Um, they're owned by the same people who own the Mets. You know, to give you an idea, every major sports team seems to have their own esports e league. The NBA has their own league. So, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't think it's big business, but video games are big business. You know, um, 
you just saw a couple things. You know, when COVID hit, a lot of sports had to replace their on-air programming, and they did so with esports. The NHL had an esports tournament. The NBA had an esports tournament. Um, and then you just, you know, you just saw um, Microsoft bought a video game company called Bethesda for $7 billion, I believe, or $8 billion. That was more than Disney paid for Star Wars. And a lot wow. of people don't realize the video game industry makes more than the movie industry and the music industry combined. Um, and so esports and video games, you know, every year, especially now with the, the pandemic, you're seeing massive growth. You're seeing lots of job opportunities. Um, and so to position our kids in this international market to introduce them to the people and the players, um, I think is only going to benefit them in the long run. It's incredible. It's incredible. Oh, what do you say to the naysayer that says, oh, these kids, they need to get off and off the computers and quit playing these silly games all the time. What do you say to them? What, what there, I can see so many upsides, but as a coach, what do you say? Yeah, I have kids of my own and I don't want them mm -hmm. on a screen all the time, but right. I think the benefits of what we do with esports really outweighs the, the negatives, especially be, when you talk about what we're doing and we're, you know, we're all working together as a team. It's not just, you know, I may hop on a game and play by myself for a while. We're working together and communicating with one right. another. And if one person isn't holding their weight, then we have to cover up and, and take a different path. So, I mean, we're problem solving on the fly right. uh, as a team, not as individuals. And that's what I've really pushed with my parents that have questioned it. Um, and even administration just to help them understand that it's not just, we're not just playing video games. I mean, we're, we are playing video games, but we're also working together as a team, like basketball does, like football does, you know, like right. everyone. It sounds like you're using a lot of those 21st century skills, collaboration, creativity, problem solving, um, really letting them have that hands-on experience to, to do that. It sounds wonderful. Yeah, and I really think that you touched on something there because, and between the, what the two of you said, you and Chris, um, because it, they're doing it anyway, right? They're home, they're gaming at home. Sometimes they're gaming till two o'clock in the morning sometimes. So now instead you're channeling that, right? You're now putting it into a team scenario where they're doing this after school collaboratively, um, competing with others globally, but in this team fashion. So now they're, you know, hopefully doing this after school in this environment together. And then, you know, that's their time. And now they go on, they go home, they have dinner, they do homework. Well, and hopefully they're tired at that point and they can go to bed. I'll even tell you, Jamie, what, what you and Jerry are talking about, there is so much to unpack there. I don't think we have enough time because what it comes down to is, you know, for so long, you know, and I, I air quote this, you know, gaming is something that's happened in the basement, right? right? By bringing esports into schools, you are number one, getting kids in front of positive role models like, you know, Nate and other coaches that are doing this. Number two, we can model appropriate behavior, right? Yeah. I have no problem with my kids playing video games. I still love to play video games, but I also understand time and place. I understand priorities and getting my work done. And, you know, going back to Jerry, like you were just saying, how do you convince people? Well, my board of ed, you know, was not sold, but luckily they trust me enough to kind of let me run with the program and, and, you know, gave me a pilot season. And I'm very targeted about what I do with my students, you know, through Garden State Esports, we've actually written a whole curriculum for coaches to use with their kids. Um, and one of the things we, we focus on is health and wellness. 
Um, believe it or not, we actually stretch. Uh, we exercise at practice, right? We talk about proper nutrition and diet. We talk about how sleep affects the body. And what I've noticed is, you know, a lot of my kids' eyes have glazed over both in traditional sports and any sports when I've tried to tell them, you know, about eating right. And I've tried to talk to them about uh, sleep and stuff like that. But I have found that, especially through esports, when you frame it as peak performance, right? Are you operating at peak performance? Now, all of a sudden, kids going, well, wait a minute, what does peak performance mean? Well, look, if you're not getting eight hours of sleep, if you're not eating a good, healthy meal in the morning and before practice, right, and you talk about the ways those have effects on how you play, now all of a sudden the kid's interested, not because, you know, they're doing it because they want to be healthy, which maybe it'll transfer over to being healthy eventually, but they want to be good at the game. And a lot of times, you know, my traditional athletes, my esports athletes, they're looking for any edge that they can get. So when you start to frame things around peak performance and we talk about how, you know, one of the things I stress to my kids, you should be off your screens two hours before you go to bed because blue light affects your ability to fall asleep. And when I present that information to them and I tell them, you know, now all of a sudden you went from eight hours to six hours and you look at your phone in the middle of the night when you wake up and now you can't go to bed for 45 minutes and you're tired in the morning and you have a game in the afternoon. The only thing you ate was a you know, a bagel with cream cheese and a monster energy drink. And then you wonder why you get to practice. You're tired and your reaction time is slow, right? It all comes back to operating a peak performance. And for me, right, that's what esports is all about is teaching kids things that we want them to know through something that they care about, right? right? right. Um, and so I think that's a really valuable aspect of esports. And one of the ways that I sell people who are not sold on it is this is the vehicle to get your kid off of video games is to have them play esports. is to get them, you know, into my program where I tell them, you know, you need to have your homework done. You know, I personally choose to have GPA tied to my team. Not that that's right for everybody. Um, and so they know if they're not getting the job done in school, that they're also not going to be starting for me, you know, when we play our match on Thursday. So all of these things that people are worried about can be fixed, can be improved through helping people, uh, helping kids, you know, be a part of an esports team that touches on those things. So you touched on so many things and actually so many connections to other uh, podcasts that we've had as well. And I, it's so important. Um, what you said is, you know, it's not something that we're doing in isolation, but you're authentically integrating those concepts, you know, again, things that they need for their, to live their lives well. You're integrating it into um, what motivates them. And so it really, it, it makes it meaningful to them instead of something that, like you said, is just going to be glazed over. Um, it's so important, so important. And what I also found very important was um, the, you know, we, these, obviously these 21st century skills are all embedded in here, so many. Um, but and when I used to teach in the 90s, I did collaborative internet projects with other schools um, in other countries. And instead of just jumping in and doing the project, taking the time to learn about those people. And just as you said, you, it's not just the screen that you're working at, but instead you are working with others. And so making that connection is so important and making the time for that is. And I think that's really such a, a huge benefit. Plus it, again, it's going to uh, have a ripple effect on, on their lives for sure. So you guys were fellows, and that's how you kind of really evolved. Nate, what else can people do? They want to get started. They're really motivated by what the two of you have said. What do they do first? Um, I, you know, you got to have 
kids that want to do it. So I mean, you, you just you got to reach out to your to your students and see see who's interested. Uh, start talking to administration, talk to parents, um, get on Twitter, you know, search for esports hashtag, esports edu is a big one, and and start making those connections with people and just asking questions on how to do it. Uh, chances are there's probably a school down the road that that is doing it already and you just you never knew about it so i mean it's just reaching out and finding those resources great and then your uh, nonprofit, chris has curriculum embedded so that's just another layer to this that really amplifies the benefits um and what is your website yeah so if people need some support and they want to head over to gsesports.org guardian state esports uh, gsesports.org. Um, we have a, a social emotional learning curriculum. We have a CTE curriculum. Um, we're happy to connect and help you get started. We have IT people on staff who speak IT and can talk to um, your IT right. team to, to get that stuff, right? Because that's a big roadblock. A lot of people forget yeah. the importance of IT, right? Yeah. And you need to give IT enough runway to get everything set up for you. Um, you know, we have a step-by-step -step guide on how to activate. We have a step-by-step -step guide on what you need to do to get your program up and running. Um, I would also check out the North American Scholastic Esports Federation, MASIF.org. Uh, you know, they are our parent organization, right? So they kind of run things on a global level. Garden State Esports, we run things in New Jersey on a state level. Um, and uh, I have a book coming out in November uh, called the Esports Education Playbook, which again is part how to start a team and the other part is how to have benefits. Um, and I even, I have a free guide up on my site, you know, that you can read. Um, so, I mean, I have a lot of resources. Nate is a fantastic resource. NASEP is a fantastic resource. One thing that you'll find about the esports EDU community, which is important, like Nate said, hashtag to check out on Twitter. That's probably the place where I would start, you know, to connect with the coaches and the players and uh, everybody involved in this. But what's fantastic is the community is so welcoming and so uh, caring and so passionate um, that, you know, even if you know nothing about video games, because that's what we're finding. We either have people who, like Nate and I, love video games and we're passionate about gaming and our students um, or we have coaches who are like I know nothing about video games but my kids came to me and asked me to start this so I agreed and I know nothing can you help me um, it's usually one of the two extremes but you're going to find somebody in this community to connect with who's you know on the same road that you are uh, and everybody in the esports edu community is fantastic and then you can just register for a league then. Is that the way it works? Or I mean, it, it's, it's not even about registering. Uh, one thing I would encourage schools to do is, you know, there's some nonprofits out there uh, and their bottom line is to shareholders and not students. Um, one of the reasons I think Nate and I got involved with NASIF is they're a nonprofit. They are student first, student centered. Um, so I would highly suggest anybody listening before you sign up with some of these, you know, multi-million dollar uh, for-profit companies. See if you have somebody like Nate or somebody like myself who have a statewide association or a regional association. Um, there's some forward-thinking states that have even legitimized this through their actual, you know, state athletic commission that runs high school sports. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of nonprofit and, um, you know, or nonprofit organizations out there like NACEF, like, you know, what Nate and I are doing. Um, as teachers, we want to put our kids first. And so I always encourage before you go with these four profits, make sure you check because you, you never know what you're signing up for with them, whether they're selling data, um, they're charging one price and then they switch it up next year. And uh, that, that's a big concern that we have in the esports world is a lot of this um, 
a lot of this, uh, I guess, you know, it's almost like the Wild West. A lot of people are coming in, making promises, taking money, and then leaving you high and dry. Um, but with organizations like NACEF and Garden State Esports and what's Nate's running out there, um, you know, I would say look for teachers who are doing this and look for leagues that are run by teachers. And if you can't find one, start in, and, and we're, happy, you know, we're happy to help you learn how to do that too. Great. You have shed so much light on this today. This has been so fascinating and so much fun to hear just how deep this is. I had no idea how much you both have put into this. This is really deep work and you're doing so much more than just the sports with the kids. You're building the character. You're giving them the life skills. You have sold me. <laughs> I, I wish I could join. <laughs> It is fabulous. I know you've sold Jamie as well. Yeah, very yes. exciting. Can you, and we'll make sure that whatever resources you have, we will attach to um, as, um, yes. yeah. So that way everyone can have access and, um, and get started right away. Get ready for the spring season is what they'll want to do for sure. Right. We like pay people that are um, breaking boundaries. And I think you two are out of bounds. You are really breaking boundaries and we appreciate the work you're doing. I really appreciate the way you are so open to share with other educators and to get them on board and get started. So thank you so much for the work you're giving to the profession. So important. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to stay linked up, be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify and subscribe to us on YouTube.